Say What? Say What Radio Show. With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. And welcome to the Say What Show. It's November 20th, 2021. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, Yasmin, and Bob West. Um, so you guys can unmute now. You're very good at your muting. And uh, there we go. Hi, Yasmin. Hi, Dolly. Hi, Walter. How are you guys? Hi, Nancy. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Okay, is Bob Hello. with you? Hello. Hi, Bob. Hey. All right. It's the Wests. In the West. Yes. Not the West. Very far West. Very far. <laughs> okay, somebody's okay, got somebody's a an echo on echo there. On. I think it's Yasmin. It's Yasmin. Somebody's not got headphones on. Uh oh. Um. Okay, it's probably Yasmin. Yasmin, if you don't have headphones, we just have to be careful not to over-talk each other because I can hear myself coming over your speakers is what it is. So, um, okay, G. Jana, if you're still in chat, you, you know, I, I that last segment you did on that poor woman, I mean, my God, my heart was breaking. It was just like, how many things, I mean, I thought I was up on stuff, but... Thank God for you, because you find things that none of us have ever heard, I'm sure. And uh, i just very appreciative of the information that you do every week for us, because every week I go, oh, no, not, not this, too. <laughs> but if we don't know it, we can't do anything about it. It's just... Uh, it, sounds like, it sounded like Kent State all over again. Oh, it, it was worse than Kent State, because Kent State was a matter of seconds this went on for a quite, you know a long time they kept beating up on this woman until they killed her are you kidding me i mean this is america this is outrageous well, and they, they just shot people at kent state yeah but it was it was it, it's it's different in kent state they had it was i mean national guard there was a whole bunch of them. This was one or two human beings that would beat somebody to death. And, oh, no, we're having awful. a cat fight. Okay, you guys talk. I gotta go break up a cat fight. Jeez. Uh oh. <laughs> I swear it's the vaxxed people going crazy. I don't know even if they know what they're doing when they get in a. a frenzy like these people were with that poor woman they beat the shit out of I mean, she must not have had much left of her body when they got done with her and and normal people wouldn't even crazy people who do murders wouldn't have been that crazy in my opinion I'm thinking it's the vaxxed going crazy. I'm done. Well, yeah. I'm, remind, you know, I'm reminded of, of uh, I think I mentioned this in the previous show, is this is what Anelia Vance uh, said when she reported on the effects of the 
not the placebo, obviously, because there's a whole bunch of placebos in different parts of the country, but for, for those places that have gotten the true injection, the, the true uh, gene therapy injection, um, the, the function is to, set, is to disconnect the soul from the body. The soul is still there. It's, it's connected to the body, but it, it can no longer communicate. So the body is, is acting on its own. So it's, it reacts like an, it is an animal body. So therefore, it reacts the way an animal would react, based on all primal instincts, not based on reason. So people are just reacting, and there's like there's no no moral integrity, you know, uh, uh, analyzing that reaction. Should I, you know, should I react this way? Should I scream? Should I be silent? Should I watch what I'm saying? None of that is happening. It's just pure animal reaction. And you and see it I like wonder... uh, your son is witnessing it with driving, for example. Drivers are going bonkers. Right. So this is the right. zombie apocalypse. For those that have been eagerly awaiting for it and are admirers of it's the genre. Yeah, this is, it. this is <laughs> This is the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> You're here. Yes. Enjoy. And why <laughs> did they not arrest that freaking attorney immediately when he took that gun and pointed it at people in the courtroom, especially at the jury? with his finger on the trigger why was he allowed to get get away with that they teach opposite of that from the NRA you are never to point a gun at a living being and he, he got away with that why was he not arrested because they had cleared the okay. weapon just be oh just, yeah just right. just before he he picked it up oh make sure it's clear and then he pointed it at him I was like my mouth just was opened I was like if I was on that yeah. jury right then and there I can tell you who I'm gonna vote for you just pointed a gun at me I'd have been screaming <laughs> yeah I'd have been screaming they they would have had to stop the court immediately because I would have put up such a fuss I oh. Okay, I'm going to calm down. I'm done. <laughs> Welcome, the West. <laughs> Have you been talking at all? Uh, Have they let you talk at all? <laughs> I, broke up, I broke up the cat fight. I, got, I grabbed the catnip, threw it all over the room. <laughs> oh, that'll work. <laughs> well, you know, catnip is interesting in that it acts like a... Like it makes them get crazy for a little bit, but in 20 minutes it's a barbiturate and they just lay down and chill out. At least that's my theory. <laughs> so, how that's are you like doing? Sharing a blunt with friends. <laughs> yeah, right, 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 right. I can't believe you just said that. That's amazing. I didn't know you knew what a blunt was. <laughs> Just you know, just because I didn't live the life of other people doesn't mean that I have I, I can stop observing. I mean, having worked in the restaurant business, you get to see all kinds of freaky stuff, even hey, though you're a, you're, I you're don't not know. <laughs> Listen, listen. When when all this is over with, okay, we're gonna go and meet up together someplace where there's it's a free state for marijuana, 
and we're going to just sit down, and I want to oh. see you stoned. <laughs> I don't smoke, so That's all right, that. that's all right, that's all right. <laughs> we'll teach you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't want to do it either. Party pooper. <laughs> I already partied twice, maybe three, three times, but I, I didn't like it. Well, obviously, you weren't at the right party. <laughs> uh, so, um, you you guys, um, did you finish what you were talking about before I came back and interrupted you? I did. I got my stuff in before you all got started, and I couldn't get it in. <laughs> oh, okay. Jasmine is asking if we can hear them okay. No. Hello? Can you hear us? I can hear you now. Okay. Oh, good. Uh -huh. Okay. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I knew you were there because I could hear you. Okay. You were laughing. Our, our little icon wasn't lighting up, so we weren't sure. <laughs> yeah, you were laughing about the marijuana blunt. <laughs> yeah, blunt. yeah, Bob has some experience with that. <laughs> Actually, actually, no, I never mixed my drugs like that. <laughs> I was going to get high, I just got high. I didn't care about tobacco. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, okay, uh, it's been a crazy-ass week. Um, I did watch that entire trial when it was on. I lost a lot of time watching it, but I am... I loved Perry Mason as a kid growing up, and it was like Perry Mason because the whole thing was well. First off, the, the, that was the best Fill thing. Fill us they, in. Those without TV sets. Yeah, well, that was the best thing they could have done was to show that, you know, live because it, I did. I didn't know that the two people he killed were white. I, and I, I don't listen to mainstream media. It just it never crossed. Because he was being called a white racist, I guess, never never came into my reality, and you know, watching it was like, are you kidding me? I mean, you you we watch the video, and you absolutely see the situation. This kid was running away from these people. Whether he had it yet, at one point he turned around, he pointed the gun at him, and they didn't even stop. They kept coming, and he said, oh, crap, and he turned around and he ran again until he had no place to run, and that's when he, you know, fired. But there was no, once you see that video, there was no doubting what had happened. And then when the guy that got shot in the, the arm, when he said, yeah, I pointed my gun, a loaded gun with a chambered bullet at Kyle, and then Kyle fired when the gun, when the gun was pointed at his head. Now, I mean, it was like so cut and dry self-defense that y y you have to wonder, you know, well, you know why that they even tried this. But everything that they do is suicidal because showing this to people, it's like Jan pointed out, an awful lot of people said, I didn't know they were, were white people. I thought they were black. All over the world, there was somebody I was listening to that was talking about not only Brazil, but in Europe. Europe, had one of their main papers, in, I don't remember which one it was, but it had to have a retraction because they said 
you know, white supremacist kills black people and gets off. <laughs> so it's 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 insane. Well, Absolutely insane. That's, that's, that's one of the things is that the media was lying so blatantly because, like, for example, I, I was looking. I don't have TV service, but I do have access to YouTube. And in the in their news section, when they were showing uh, a, a, a report of this thing of the of the uh, results of the trial, they're interviewing. They're according to the caption, it's interviewing family members. And I thought, okay, these must be the parents of the guys. And they're just interviewing colored men. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, but I saw pictures in Facebook and it shows three white guys. These three white guys have black parents. That made no sense to me. So it's it's obviously the media was lying out their ass at major time, big time. The, the media was was trying Kyle Rittenhouse for something different than the legal system was. <laughs> the legal system was trying Kyle Rittenhouse because they felt that they had to, and it was clearly self-defense. The media was trying Kyle Rittenhouse because he, as a 17-year-old kid, dared to bring a firearm, which most people don't understand, to a protest, primarily by Black Lives Matter, involved with the death of Jacob Blake. And that's what the media wanted people to understand, was that he was there to prevent people from protesting in their eyes, regardless of why he was there. Once it hit trial, the media had a problem because it could no longer control the narrative. All it could do was sit back and watch. And that's why you saw the interviews from certain tribal media outlets <laughs> slanted that way. Don't you, don't you hate it when that happens? You can't control the narrative? Yeah, but I... I treat NBC the same way I treat Facebook. I understand <laughs> that NBC is somebody wants to make revenue <clears throat> just as much as Facebook does. But what we have failed to do is to bring to people the idea that justice is blind. And whether we like it or not, each of us, justice was correct in this case because it was blind. It gave him the only fair opportunity he would have. Should he have gone? I don't know. I wouldn't approve as a parent to have him go, but he went just the same. And the people that were shot by him were not exactly outstanding citizens, but that should be blind to justice as well as their color. The, jury, color the, jury, the jury was not notified of that in the court. Now, they probably heard it. They may have heard it if they were watching Fox TV, but they weren't supposed to. But that was never brought out in court. That's and it shouldn't. No, it, it shouldn't, shouldn't have been because the the, vic, the the history of the victim does not count in the court of law. Right. You know. Right. So, so and neither but, does Jacob Blake, who who started the protest. His history was was horrifying. He beat up on little children and women, and I'm not saying that because it's. You know, he's being accused of that. That's a fact. He was tried for that. And and whether he was supposed to be shot or not, that's what developed the protest. And it it saddens me that that all of the protests that I've seen covered so well are involved with people just like here in Sacramento with Stefan Clark, 
with people that are clearly committing crimes. They're clearly doing that. And they're elevated to martyrdom. We don't have better role models in our communities. Right? There's there's hundreds of, of innocent, non-felonious people getting killed by accident that we could be more concerned with. <clears throat> but that's not what started this. Well, there were so many lies about what happened that night, and that. But like they, you see, one of one of the more critical things was this drone uh, footage. The, the FBI apparently had a drone up there, and you see Kyle running away from these people, and you see the first shooting. The one of the things that they did that you go like, wait a minute, I can't believe you just did this. I mean. If they if they had not come back with an acquittal, I'm sure it would have been dismissed as a, as a uh, you know let's let's do this over or maybe dismissed for prejudice and never brought back because there were so many things that were done that were totally unconstitutional illegal like that in the very last part of the trial they showed this drone footage and it was high definition and had been manipulated by computer and it specifically states on the program that did this the, the computer program that did this this cannot be used in a court of law because when you high definition it jump it up in resolution and then you do contrasting work you can't guarantee the, the, the company itself just couldn't guarantee it and they never gave that to the defense. The prosecution had it from the beginning, but they never gave it to the defense. And that in and of itself would have been a mistrial. Because well, that, you, you know. Yeah, I'm sorry. What seems frightening to me is what the FBI had a drone above a protest for in the first place. Yeah. I, I, I mean, that, there was no crime that they're investigating. There's It's a peaceful protest, isn't it? I mean, whether it was or wasn't, if if I was part of the protesters, my concern, and frankly our concern should be, why was the FBI there with a drone? Because they were <laughs> waiting for something to happen, obviously. Yeah, but what jurisdiction do we have for the FBI to watch people indiscriminately? Well, we don't know if they weren't watching specific people. They may have been targeting people that were on their watch list and using a drone to do it. And that the protest was extraneous to to the fact that they had targeted certain individuals. There's a lot of explanation as to why they might have had a legitimate reason for being there. But the fact that the defense never to saw me, it. oh sorry, go ahead. Go it ahead. looked like it looked like a play. I, I know this sounds completely asinine, but too many things. Or so much like something in a play, uh, like the prosecutor picking up the rifle and pointing it at everybody. Like the process, the prosecutor being such a nobody can be as stupid as he was. Well, he may have taken um, the vaccination and therefore been brain dead. <laughs> yes, it's so much stupidity. And then the poor little boy. I feel sorry for him. I really do, but. If it was a setup, 
uh, a play to get people incited in several ways because uh, of the drone, because of the rioters, um, because of a 17-year-old taking a rifle. There's so many things that, that they set up that they can use now and in the future. It looked like a play that was for all setups for the future. And uh, if it was a play, I'm glad because I wouldn't want any boy to have to go through the crap he did. So I don't know if it was real or if it was a play, but I have that doubt in my mind. Did you watch the, did you watch the trial? So. Some of it, I, I'd get so mad at the prosecutor, I'd start swearing. And no, then I, it, no, Kyle, Russ, Kyle, I, it was real. I heard Russell say, uh, Mom, you better turn it off. <laughs> so I, it, I was, it, it was very real. Well, But what I think, I really think that, main, that the reason that they went after this, even though it was obviously such a, a case of, of uh, you know, protecting yourself, a God-given right, never mind a legal right, um, is because they're going to go after the guns. If he didn't have that gun, that wouldn't have happened. You know, it's another one of those takes it because they, they're not go, they're not going to win until they get our guns. I mean, that's you yeah. know, so they're not going to win because they'll never get the guns. You know, there's a there's an interesting thing in that. My old boss from the grenade launching place, and we sold not just grenade launchers, but all sorts of different weapons. And because the guy that owned the company actually had had a gun shop before this, so that we had a lot of guns that we we had um, sold over the years. And you have to keep a tremendous number of records because you once you sell a gun, you can't throw that away. You have to take it and you have to store it. So I'm assuming that every person in America that's got a gun is, you know, registered with the ATF because everything is, this is all done for the ATF. Well, it turns out that until a business closes and gives those records to the ATF, the ATF has no records of who's got a gun in America. None. If you if you bought it from a gun comp, a gun store that went out of business, then they know that you bought that from them. But otherwise, it's all maintained as a secret. The state doesn't even know who's got the guns in their in their state. Well, now they're trying to. And as a matter of fact, I think it might have been involved in this last g- bill, but they're trying to get it so that all of the records of every gun store in America has to give this information over to the feds. And yet that is protected under the Constitution, if you read the Constitution and the Second Amendment in a certain way. I mean, I learned a long time ago, it doesn't matter what the law says, it matters who the people are in power and how they're interpreting it. And in California for the last uh, 20 plus years, it hasn't mattered what the, re- the, the registration request going for the background check tells the state and the federal government that you have the intention of firing, buying a firearm. 
once you've purchased the firearm, that paperwork becomes complete, showing that you have it. Before that, Nancy, you're you're correct, but California was one of the first states to change its background check from a localized state level to a federal firearms database. And I'm not sure that all the states have kind of caught up on that, but you're right. You know, they, they're going to go after the, the guns like the AR because of the misconception of the name alone, not just the use of it. You know, if you ask somebody what AR stands for, they're going to tell you it stands for assault rifle, which is not correct. It starts stands for armor light rifle, who is the manufacturer. But because, again, people want to retreat into their tribal media sources, um, they don't know any better. Um, yes, it's, it's so, I mean, it, it, they, well, look at what, what happened to Australia. Australia is not, not the whole country, apparently, but Victoria, apparently, is where you see all this crazy-ass totalitarian fascism is in, 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 no, Victoria, no, Queens, one of the two, Queenshead or Victoria, now I forget, but it's, it's limited to one province, but the fact of the matter is that they gave up their guns back a while ago. They, they, everybody had to give their guns to the authorities. We've never done that, and it'll never happen, because everybody that knows anything about what's happening would say, I ain't giving my gun up. Are you kidding me? That's the end. So, hopefully, hopefully... Um, yeah, no, I think firearm sales are through the roof right now. <laughs> oh, they have been. They have been. But my, um, a friend of mine up in Maryland said that he was he was going from one. Oh, he was waiting on a haircut thing, and there was a gun shop there. And he went in there and he said, "They got everything. They, they don't. There's not a shortage of anything that he saw." So, New Zealand did the same thing. Jan saying, after a false flag mass shooting, they took their guns too. So as long as we keep our guns. <laughs> we're a threat to them and you know I, I mean it's just a matter of fact that I don't know how they can win <laughs> there's much many more of us than there are of them you know and I don't think there is they... not one person I know that would give up their gun they may give up some lead out of the gun but they won't give up their gun no. I, I don't know one person who would. I have a gun someplace, but I'm not sure where. It's a big it's a big old rifle thing. If I ever pulled the trigger on it, I'd probably break my shoulder. <laughs> don't you have a grenade launcher too? No, no. There you was didn't a, keep was... any goodies from your army days? <laughs> my theory is if I have to reach for a weapon, I've lost the war. <laughs> Uh, you know, I mean, and that comes from from my, you know, history of being Patton and being a soldier many times. It's like the reason that they killed Patton was that he realized that we had not lost the war. We, I mean, that we had not won it. We had lost it. That he, he realized that, that there was a deep, dark state. Something was wrong, very wrong behind it. 
that's where you got the first the first death you know in sacrifice in um the group of people that now are called the patriots it wasn't that people didn't understand what was happening it was that well the last thing that that Patton said to his wife was it's it uh it's too late and he said no it's too dark and I understood, when I heard that, that that's what he had said to her, I was like, oh, I totally understand that. He finally understood how deep and awful, you know, he had fought that war thinking he knew where the enemy was. No, he didn't. And the enemy had had won because the enemy was everywhere. And, you know, so it goes back to World War II. He was not the only one. There were a number of... Uh, people that came to the same conclusion, including Eisenhower. Because, I mean, I I have a lot of, geez, why didn't you do more, Ike? You know, the last message you give to everybody is, look out, there's a deep, dark state that's everywhere. It's called the, you know, industrial complex, military-industrial complex. Beware of it. Why didn't you do something about it? And it was because they really couldn't. There are stories about them the bad guys, attempting to uh, uh, take over the United States back in the 50s. And I can't remember the details of it, but it essentially, if it wasn't for one brave general who spilled the beans, wouldn't play the game, it may have happened then. So there has been a, a long history of the dark side trying to do what they did, and there's a long story behind the patriots that have known the truth. And so that's why I say my what I learned from from the Patton experience is that it's war is not gonna do it. War is not if you have to reach for the gun, you lost. Because they get into people's heads. There was a great article on uh Defender, the uh children's health organization, uh Robert Kennedy's group. Just we did it. We did a replay, or, or we discussed it on Five uh, G Radio this this week. The show with myself and uh, Sarah Dunn. It was really outstanding in that it explained the concepts of psyops and matched it to what has been happening regarding the, you know, so-called pandemic. Uh, it, it's all been psyops, and once. Once you realize that, then it's like that person that said, once I understood that they lied to me about black people versus white people, I'm not going to believe anything they they said to me. I'm going to look at it all. And that's the only way you can really go through it and get any kind of a truth, truth involved in it. But anyway, so, Jasmine, you have been wanting to talk to Walt about gravity. Yes. And I would really like you and he to discuss that again because it's so fundamental to what we're really talking about here because everything that the mass media tries to, to put on us and the educational system, it's all designed to keep us not aware of what reality is. And one of those things is science. Uh, you know, 
Joseph Cater, who's the man that these guys are going to be talking about, has a book out there that they'll explain, tells you the truth about science. And you think that the truth about the Kyle's trial was, you know, a, a fabrication of somebody's mind on the side of the, the you know, the bad side? Yee, science is like nothing that it, that they told us was. And it starts with the gravity thing. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Yasmin, because you you actually read the Cater information. And, you know, I, th- I just think you and Walt would have a nice time talking about it. Sure. Um, well, so I'm, I'm making my way through the book. I, I have to admit that science is not my strong point. So it, it's a pe- kind of a tough read for me. But um, just getting into the first couple chapters, um, you know, it's interesting how they peel apart, uh, how he peels apart all these theories that we've just kind of accepted as gospel. And I mean, I'm an accountant by trade and I understand the concept of having to prove out numbers so that, you know, everything kind of equalizes. And it seems like a lot of our scientific theory kind of just plugged in information to force a answer that they wanted based on what Cater's alluding to in his book so far that I've read. Um, so it, I find it kind of interesting and it seems like kind of opened up because I I remember I actually grew up with um, a friend of the family lived with us he was actually a physicist and I remember as a kid he would prove out all these theories with all these mathematical equations and as a kid I would even ask him I was like well how do you know the math is right and he's like well because this is this is proven I'm like but proven by who, <laughs> you know? So I was always, and maybe that's probably why I didn't do well in my science classes in um, school, because it it just didn't quite make sense to me. But Cater's book, even though it's hard for me to get through it, it's starting to make sense that certain things really weren't proven. So I'm eager to talk to Walt and learn more about that. <laughs> Okay. Well, the the thing is that the is it's like every I mean we've agreed in in, in in past shows we've agreed that how the cabal is responsible for controlling every part of our what passes for reality, every part of the story that has been force fed down our throats that this is it, this is your reality. So you have a reality in the educational field and you have a, a reality in the uh, organized religion and you have an, a, a reality in the organized medical. Uh, it's every Everything is organized to death. <laughs> I mean, that's what uh, Wilhelm Reich said. You know, if, we, if you want to kill, kill the spirit of anything, organize it. Yeah, of course, because for things to be... Uh, for, for things to truly have a spirit to them, it ha- they have to be free. 
the minute you organize something and and you give it a structure and you say okay this is this guy is in control and he's going to be controlling these guys and these are going to be then there that freedom is of expression the freedom of spirit is gone therefore you just kill the spirit of whatever it was uh so science is no exception obviously that's the most important thing uh because Yes, they're money hungry, and they do anything and everything for money. But uh, not all of them are so stupid. I mean, others among them are very smart, and they recognize that the real the real power is, you know, it. It's the old uh, saying: knowledge. Knowledge is power. You you have you command the knowledge that, that that's it that you have the power in your hands, and and this, that's where science is no exception, and they decided to control. Uh, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I don't remember. I've seen the name many times. In fact, the name is in Cater's book. The name of the scientist behind the first experiment that was done on to prove or disprove the existence of the ether and i think it was done in the 40s or 50s it was well documented and i mean it's been the subject of some textbooks in universities it was an experiment where they um they put these components on a turntable and this turntable was actually floating on a pool so what they were doing, they were able to rotate. If if ether had a specific directional flow, uh, the movement of these of these light components uh, would change. The, the speed of the light moving between various points would change depending on the position of the apparatus, because they would alter the the position of the apparatus in ref, in reference to the supposed flow of ether. Now, they claim in that very first experiment that there was no change whatsoever. Therefore, we've just proven, ta-da, ether doesn't exist. Well, it turns out that there were mistakes done, and I, I don't think they were accidental, these mistakes. And the experiment was repeated again. And when it was properly done the second time, yes, they did detect a, a difference. So they ended up proving the existence of ether. But that was very quickly buried. I mean, have you heard of it? Uh, chances are no. <laughs> the same way that millions of people are not aware of it because that was so cleverly you know, hidden away, the existence of the ether. And what's in, what I find most significant about the book, it's, that's why it's, it was so revolutionary for me and what a great find by Nancy. And I think she was correct when she said that for the longest time, nobody ever heard of this guy. But now we're, we're, we're pursuing a specific field of interest. You know, we're, we're pursuing uh, something about the reality. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, up appears this book. And and the, the funny thing is that, it, so, so, so she theorized that the timeline, there was a shift in the timeline. So now we're in this timeline, this this book appears because according to Cater himself, because uh, she was able to find um, 
a recording. It, it was posted on YouTube. The quality of the report of the uh, of the recording is way awful. Uh, you, if you have a audio manipulation program, it, it'd be a good idea to alter, put some audio filters so that you can hear the voice properly. But um, someone is being interviewed by someone is interviewing Joseph Cater. And one of the things that uh, surprised me is that he says he was hounded uh, by the CIA, for example, for his investigations. And I'm thinking, why would the CIA get involved with someone doing science? Um, I thought the CIA was like involved with people doing, you know, involved in political things. Now, here they're hounding a scientist. In any case, they bothered him so much. It actually took him 20 years to be able to publish that book that you're reading. You would think, okay, he wrote it, sent it to the publisher, voila, it's printed, it's done, it's but no, it took him 20 years because they would they would hound him and uh, put up uh, obstacles for him to be able to pu publish it. So that just goes to show you how much stuff is in there that they were most interested in the public not knowing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. case, in point, <laughs> case in point, the fact that they have anti-gravity devices under their control. They don't want everybody to know that anti-gravity is, fu is fully feasible and it's not impossible. I mean, a lot of so many people spend crazy amount of hours, like you said, somebody in, in, in doing the math and the equations on you. And you say, but how do you know that the math is correct? <laughs> That's a very... That's a very astute observation because they, they're saying, oh, the, uh, gravity, you have to take this into account. And, that, and, and the gravity is just, it's, a, it's based on that radiation. Gravity is because the planet has a negative polarity. So gravity repels negative charges. And case in point is just, uh, I uh, remember I sent you um, no, I didn't send it to you. I sent it to uh, Mary Lou Fersh, the lady who bought one of my resonators, because she was she was fascinated by this concept of the uh, the gravity. And somebody posted something to to deal with uh, something de dealing with zoology specifically uh, information regarding a special species of spider that when it wants to travel elsewhere it releases a certain amount of filament from its belly, you know, the, the spinneret where the spider releases its uh, web. It releases a filament, and this is the part that got my attention. The filament then picks up negative charges from the earth and is repelled by the earth. Therefore, the, the spider lets go and, and, and starts floating off. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is nobody noticing this? He, the the person is actually saying it. The the cobwebbing is picking up negative charges, and uh, from the earth, and it's floating away because you know the earth is repelling the negative charges. That says it everything. You know that's why clouds float. And yeah, I, that's I was like, the answer hey. to all. <laughs> <laughs> And it, and, and it, and it actually is actually not an impossible frequency because uh, when you look in that, in that, uh, I don't know if you have the physical book or you have the PDF, but there is a graphic 
in the chapter where he talks about gravity, where he graphs the location of the frequency for gravity, because gravity is, is very close to infrared, but it's, it's, it's a very, very small range of frequency. It's not a wide range. It's a small range, and it's just just below infrared. So, is it, so infrared is actually immediately sitting higher up than the the frequency of uh, um, gravity. So it it is is actually is is an electromagnetic radiation. And why does everything fall? Well, because we, everything has a positive charge, and positive charges are attracted to the Earth. Negative charges are repelled, and that's the. Um, if you do a web search, it'll come out. Comes there, you, you're gonna get tons of pages. Um, these devices called lifters. Uh, you can find a, if you if you do a, like if you go to YouTube and you do a, a YouTube search for lifters, um, just just that word lifter, and you'll see all these images. And uh, a lifter is simply a, a frame. Some are, are triangular, others are square. They do what they do is they make a frame with balsa wood, the, the lightest wood, and the frame has an aluminum skirt make, made of aluminum foil and a wire running along the top. And they always arrange the same way. The wire is on top of the the wire comes first, and then the aluminum below, and they're separated by the wood. So there's obviously no contact. And what they do is they put a high voltage, high DC voltage, um, negative DC voltage on the uh, on the uh, on this wire of the lifter. Now, their technical explanation as to why the lifter lifts is because the electrons. The uh, I'm sorry. The um, the uh, electrons in the foil are racing to the, um, correction, positive charge on the wire. And because of that kind of uh, ionic wind, that's because the, that's why the lifter climbs up and it, and it floats. Well, they're, they're, like, they're totally missing it. It's not floating because the electro electrons or the negative charges are flowing toward the wire that's positively charged. It's lifting because the negative charges in the foil are being rejected by the gravity. Gravity is pushing it away. Like, why are the cumulus clouds, when you look at them, don't you find it interesting that they all have a flat bottom? Why are all the why are all the bottoms? It's like the clouds are actually sitting on a glass table. All of them, without exception, they all have a flat bottom, and the rest of the cloud is misshapen, like a normal cumulus clouds, that's because the, gra the gravity is pushing against the cloud. It's, it's holding it, it's lifted, it's lifting the cloud up, and that's why you see it floating. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I never thought of that before, but yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah you, because you say, okay, uh, for example, somebody gave me an explanation and said, oh, because the, the uh, what was it, the... Um, what is that thing that the jet stream? Oh, the jet stream, it's a very steady flow. And then it cuts through. And I said, I'm sorry, but the jet stream is the altitude of the jet stream to the base of those cumulus clouds is very, very different. 
there's no way those cumulus clouds are anywhere near the jet stream. So uh, that's it. And they would give me a blank look because they didn't have an explanation. Well, Cater gives you a very a simple explanation. Like when uh, he explains the um, the other experiments on uh, how light, the energy quotient of light gets amplified the more the more you reflect it. And he actually he didn't witness it, but he says a close friend of him went uh, to and he witnessed the demonstration. It was done somewhere in California. It I think it was done in the 50s. Uh, they this guy had a contraction a contraption set up where it was like a bank of mirrors, and the mirrors were reflecting the uh, a beam of light, some crazy number like 50 times or 40 times it was being reflected back and forth until it exited. So with the uh, the light that came from this device, they were able to cut a hole into the side of a, a hill. And the only source for this light was sunlight. But by reflecting it 50 times, it was so powerful, so intense, that it actually cut a hole into the side of, of, a, of a hill. And, and that's something they don't teach you that in school. They don't, they don't even, they don't, they don't say that's significant or how you can use it. I mean, uh, he explains how um, uh, an experimenter developed a way to um, increase the amount of light in a greenhouse, even in the, even in the absence of outside natural light, by uh, layering crushed glass in the resin, because the the ambient light, however minimum it is, is being reflected back and forth hundreds of times. The you could actually it it was actually lit uh, at night. Oh my god. That that's what that's what I did, and when you look at your uh, resonator, that's why it has a, light, a layer of crushed glass on top and a layer of crushed glass and uh, glass in the bottom, and the the light, the uh, etheric light, is is bouncing back and forth hundreds of times, and thus increases the amount of uh, of light the thing the thing puts out. That's why the range of it when I douse it is is so much bigger than one without, because wow, of the process so of the dust. <laughs> so okay so now we're getting to like practical applications of how we can you know fix our world and survive a little better I, there's so you're saying that there's people that have actually done this in greenhouses and they, uh, yep they, i uh, i have to look for i don't i think i don't know if his address changed but in the book he lists the name and address of this guy um making the, the the greenhouse material uh, one of the the things that was very surprising is uh he made the greenhouses with fiberglass like the um the body on cars where they use fiberglass right. but the thing is uh this is like layered fiberglass because it has layers of crushed glass with the 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 resin the fiberglass resin but the end result is that uh, even though the material was so light, it was actually bulletproof. You can get <laughs> you can get a bullet to pierce it. It was so strong, so it was ideal for uh, greenhouses because greenhouses, by default, the traditional greenhouse being made of glass, is frail and it has to be 
very strong glass so you don't get destroyed by hail and, and situations like that. But with this, you don't have to worry. This thing is like bulletproof. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I, that would have come in handy, that knowledge, when Bob and I, we were doing our little backyard <laughs> backyard farming. <laughs> yeah. So there, there is a way to increase the light quotient. And, and the thing is that it, it doesn't even have to be visually overwhelming, but it's there. It, so just it's because you, you can't. Yeah. Is what you're saying. And the plants respond to that. Yep. Yep, they do. Wow. That's amazing. I was looking for the Cater book, and I kind of missed a little bit. But you're talking about, did did he make greenhouses out of this glass, or the whole greenhouse was glass with the chips in it? No, the, the houses are made of, with, a, what do you call it, resin. Like The, the, the water, know, like the water the made with of, resin? I'm sorry. The greenhouses. The greenhouses are made with resin. Fiberglass and resin, but the, he also made a layering, so they there were layers of crushed glass. So in the, the resin. The light, correct. Uh. So that's why the light reflects. That's why in the in my glass-enhanced resonators, I have a layer of crushed glass on the top and one in the bottom. So then the light is is bouncing back and forth between the two layers, and it does so for hundreds of of times, and that's why. It puts it has such a such a very large uh, radius of the effective field because it's it puts out so much light and all it all it needs is even if if you put if you put the resonator in a darkened room the resonator is more visible than any other object in the in the room it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you turn off all the lights maybe there's a little ambient light coming from the outside or no light and these it you'll notice the that device is more visible than any other device in the room because it keeps it reflects reflecting the light so very much and that indicates and that that tells you how strong is the etheric uh, the light quotient it puts out Well, I'll have to check my resonator for that next time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've got me thinking about, I mean, I'm I'm not scientific naturally, but I I want to tinker now. <laughs> in, a way, in a way that explains, uh, when I read that chapter, it explained something else for me because I had read um, about the people that have gone to the inner earth to the uh, to these these special you know these caves that were you know nobody knows about these things, but it, it gets to a point where they keep going that lower and lower, and then it there's even though there's no sunlight, it's the the place is actually not dark. It's like there's a light quotient coming out from everything. Wow. So yeah, I mean, especially with all the fires we've had in California, you know vitamin d is you know a concern for us because we historically haven't had much access to sunlight but just a second we'll be right back okay but um we could theor theoretically combat that with a energy device of some sort bob are you reading the cater book 
I am not reading the Cater book, um, not as yet anyway. Um, I was listening to their discussion, and I was reminded of something that I think it was Edison did long ago where he took a multiple set of mirrors and placed them around a oil lamp and then focused the reflective light through a glass to project it onto a table so that a doctor could perform surgery in better light than he could get from the oil lamp. And so I'm wondering a couple of questions about Walt's uh, resonator discussion is that since light works on the law of the inverse square, for every bit that it travels forward, it travels out at a distance and loses intensity at a distance. But if you're multiplying it um, through crushed glass, which is like multiplying it through various mirrors and prisms, then you would change the frequency of light and therefore possibly change the amount of it. Um, so that kind of interests me. And then on the second part that interests me is his lifters, which you need to search gravity lifter on YouTube and you'll get uh, a series of about 18 or 20 good uh, videos on his aluminum frames. And they work. They work mostly because the amount of energy that's being produced going through the wires is enough to create the electromagnetic field to make the lifter work on a lightweight frame. And so when we, when the space people talk about true anti-gravity, they don't want it for a moment and they don't want it with wires. They want it with uh, the ability to take the platform that's lifting on its own without connections. So I find that, I find that what he turned me on to, I'd never seen that. Um, although I'd looked at electrostatic generators as a kid and, and experimented with them and promptly blew up part of the garage. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's some, some kind of interesting stuff because I've always believed that when he's talking about ion drive and anti-gravity are the only two ways off the planet. Well, have you heard him discuss the... Uh moon landing and how it had to have been an anti-gravitational system that took it off the moon it's fascinating because Walt are you back by any chance yes I'm here. T tell him the story about why you think the moon lander was anti-gravitational when it took well that's also that's also covered in Cater's book because he 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 does the uh and I I Believe it or not, I used to have a, an eight. A, a, do you remember for old for those of us in <laughs> the old, for those of us old fogies in the seventies? Uh, there used to be the Super Eight uh, cameras and projectors, and you can you could buy Super Eight movies and project them. I used to have a Super Eight uh, movie of the moon landing landing. The, the the no sound of course but you could you you were able to see the uh, the action of it and cater explains in his book why it's it's impossible i mean the there's no way the, the the vehicle never had the amount of fuel necessary to be able to 
leave the, the moon because that's an, that's a, that's another another whole chapter of the of of the book. Uh, he he explains why and, and if you pay attention to to the for example for on the films on the moon, he says they purposely slowed them down so they were like in slow motion. Because in reality, they're not in slow motion because that was their, another surprise of, of them. They found that the gravity on the, on the moon is not that much lower than gravity on the Earth. And they had no way of explaining that. Also, they found that the, 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 the moon had, has a, a dense atmosphere. In fact, that's one of the things they had to edit in the films they brought back from the moon. Uh, there was a, a, a sequence where they were filming the, uh, the, uh, the astronauts. And in the distance, you could see cloud forming, very, very soft, uh, very wispy-looking clouds making their way through the, the backdrop. So that wasn't done by Kubrick in a studio. That was real. I mean, the, the reason they hired Kubrick, because that's what they showed the public. Because they could, didn't want to show the public what they really found on the moon. They didn't want to show the public that they found uh, this, those destroyed uh, structures. They didn't want to show the, the those massive uh, columns made of uh, of that blue transparent glass. There is so much stuff that they didn't want to see. They didn't want the you know the public to become aware. That's why they use Kubrick to film all, all those things. And so many people in our comments, oh, man, never went to the moon. Everything was filmed in a studio. Uh, yes, because you they needed to deceive you and they needed to fool you. So, yes, they did film it in, in, in a movie, but that's not the truth of it. Ask yourself why they needed to film in a studio <laughs> and, you, and you'll get to it. But, yes, when they... When they... Uh, when the lander landed on the moon and when they leave, if you pay attention to it, okay, supposedly, if you're dealing with the moon and they are, you're supposed to believe that the moon is in a, in a vacuum, okay, once you fire the rockets, okay, you're supposed to see some kind of uh, smoke emission or something, some vaporous uh, emission because you're, you are burning fuel in order to be able to exit the moon. When you exit the moon, the thing just jumps off the platform and all you see is like these these uh, shiny particles. Like it was like an energy discharge, not a chemical discharge. So he says that, Cater says that they knew anti-gravity, they had an anti-gravity drive. And so the when they left the moon, that was they were using anti-gravity technology to do that. So they knew. So, so Walt, if, if you don't mind me just asking a question from the uh, from the school kid that watched it side all his life, my understanding was that the charge propellant system that was used to separate the ascent module from the descent module stage was similar to the explosive device used to eject a pilot from a aircraft in trouble. So just like an ejection seat. So you, because you, you don't have oxygen and it's assumed that you don't. So the momentary explosion 
happens that propels an approximate three-ton ascent stage, maybe less than three tons, when you have people, equipment, rocks, and so on in it. And it was only meant to propel it up about six, seven feet. And you're seeing the metal pieces that you're seeing are parts of that explosion in the skirt before the, I think it's a nestocene rocket engine fires from the ascent stage and pushes it up. So if, if, as I understood, and I don't necessarily believe their explanation for gravity, the moon's got less mass, so it is generating less gravity because you have less uh, polarity of less pull and any cloud formations or perceived cloud formations that you have would most likely be dust hovering in a lower gravity atmosphere and then falling back. Is that what yeah, all the kids believe? There are still, that's a, that's a, remember that NASA spends more time hiding information than giving it. Uh, that's one of the things that uh, Cater insists. He says, even even uh, observers with uh, telescopes on Earth have been able to document cloud formations on on the moon. Haven't you noticed that the budget that they use to cover up stuff on the moon? How half of the moon is is actually is actually airbrushed on 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 the what do you call it on the images they capture? I mean whatever whatever is there on the on the websites for you to go when they say NASA and you can go to this website to look at it. Yeah, all those pictures have been doctored, and they and they only allow people to see the what they want to see. Okay, let's take a break here, and when we come back, we'll um, we'll pursue that conversation. And welcome back to Say What Show. It's November twentieth, twenty twenty one. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard, Walt Silva, and Bob and Yasmin West. I have to say this, Bob, I agree with the way that you explained them taking off in the clouds. Walt, we I read the, the section of Cater and, and stuff, but the, it goes back to the fact of if the, if the gravity, it, Walt, you need to tell Bob, I think, what it was that made you believe that gravity was almost as, as as much on Earth as it is on the moon. What were the facts that made you make that decision? Because that's the difference of whether or not what Bob is postulating is true and can possibly be scientifically versus the concept that was anti-gravity. And I, I know one of them had to do with the lander, but I can't remember that you had some others. Do you remember them? He had some others, Cater. Walt, are you back? Hello? Uh-oh. Let's see. Am I still on? Walt, why can't yes. I... Why You're can't, on. Why can't I hear Walt? I, I don't hear Walter e either. We, we don't hear him either. Then I suspect he's not there. And <laughs> I just had this whole conversation with him. Um... It had to do with the lander, and the lander itself, you know, how much it weighed and everything, you know, if it was if it was in that weak gravity, 
that the lander would have flown off into the into you know space and i i can remember, remember that they were doing you know wheelies and stuff i mean they were running around the the top uh, the, the surface of the moon and going over some little hills that were you know if it if the gravity wasn't less than earth I mean, if it was less than Earth, they would have just gone flying off into the space. You know what I'm saying? Am I making myself kind of clear? Sure. Oh, good. You are back. <laughs> Is Walt back? I'm back. Oh, okay. I w- I just ca- I sort of explained the the situation with the lunars. You know, being that 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 if it was weak gravity, the maneuvers that they were making would have propelled them out into space, and that that was the thing. uh, I'm just wait, 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 wait a minute. And that's Bob was what made me believe that Walt might be right compared to your explanation. So Walt, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say that borrow the book from Jasmine and just take a look at that specific chapter. And it, and he obviously he'll explain it far better than me, and he's very scientific. That's why Jasmine is having a tough time because he does spend uh, quite a bit of time on, on the science of it. So it's not like he just brushes it off and or gives you some superficial explanation. No, he does give you an in-depth explanation to things with the with the scientific data and equations. If you're a mathematical genius, you'll enjoy those equations as well. I'm not a mathematical genius by any means. <laughs> Me neither. I, uh, I I fairly find myself ever in a position to use the word genius, despite what my wife says sometimes. <laughs> I have, I can tell you, Walt, worked uh, extensively with light. Um, I was a theatrical lighting specialist for over 10 years of my life, and I was raised in a... Uh, a household of professional movie makers and TV shakers. Um, so I, I'm intrigued by the greenhouse crushed glass potential dichroic filter kind of thing. And, and I'm going to definitely look into that. Um, the moon landings, of course, have always fascinated me because I like a bunch of other kids, maybe like yourself when we were, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old, we're watching stuff on TV and whether I took them as fact or not, I always followed them ever since and have followed a lot of what's happened out in space and, and I'll buy all of it. And I do buy the fact that I think that our, our government has, at least as far as the USA has purposely slowed down our exploration. And I'm not pleased about that. I think we, we do everything the hard way. Um, you know, we talk about sending landers, to the moon with people on them and we talk about sending them to Mars and and I don't understand, you know, why we don't have 12 satellites orbiting Jupiter taking pictures and sending down little drones when we have the technology to learn about them because we need we need to learn about this environment. It's it's well, but it's, it doesn't it's not difficult to imagine the reason why. Think about remember uh, Project Paperclip after the war the war which supposedly, you know, the West won, not. And and Project Paperclip 
they brought scientists over, Nazi scientists, you know, people that should have been going to uh, uh, trials because of, of, of the, the things they did against huma- humanity, they didn't go to trial. They got, they got refuge as, as scientists, and they are the ones who fueled the, the space program because they brought over all the uh, German know-how. But never for a moment did I believe that they were sharing all that they knew about the, uh, the, the scientific advancements. Yes, they brought uh, German scientists, but they didn't reveal all that they knew because, case in point, the Germans already had the science to leave the solar system in their ships. And, and here in the U.S., all you had is propeller airplanes. Look what happened. Look at a... You can you can actually still see the videos in YouTube of Operation High Jump with uh, Admiral Byrd when he went to uh, Antarctica, and they came back crawling. I mean, the, their forces were decimated uh, with just a few UFOs because they were, they were the the, the uh, Germans had the Haunabus, and they were able to exit the water and go back in at tremendous speeds. They could go from one pole to the other in a matter of minutes. So when the Admiral Byrd and his fleet went over to attack the the Germans there, they they were they were sent home, uh, you know, crawling because they were decimated. And the the, the scientists, German scientists that were here, did they knew all that stuff? They I think they purposely kept the Americans dumbed down. Okay, we'll give them some stuff, but not all of it. So when they made when they they had the UFO fly over uh, Washington D.C. and they did the flyby of the Capitol building, all those pictures are documented. They made a deal with the uh, with the bankers. You know, we we uh, you give us the money. We, you know, we'll build our bases, and that, that's how they got their bases in Mars and in the Moon. And and we'll give you this stuff, but but. Here they thought they were going to have a, a one over the Germans, but where the Germans were giving them plans for their their version of the Ford Model T, when they themselves were driving around in Rolls Royce, they had they had interstellar ships. Well, you know they were they, they shared a, a chemical rocketry. What chemical rocketry? And these guys were were doing these tremendous things. So. They did not. They didn't want the war by a long shot, and I think they purposely. They they uh, these uh, German scientists had instructions to keep the Americans slow, slow them down, do whatever it needs to be done. You buy time, but make sure they don't get out. <laughs> they don't get out of their planet because we're going to be very busy building bases on the moon, building bases on, on Mars. So our our, uh, our very very slow progress when it comes to space is it's very very deliberate, not accidental. I have a question. It goes back to when you were talking about the flat clouds. Um, mm-hmm. Hold on, let me get it in my. I typed it so I could see it. So our flat bottom clouds, an argument 
in favor of a flat earth. Now, I'm not saying I believe flat earth, but that's a question that you brought up in my mind. What's the, what's the question? Uh, you didn't hear me? So our flat-bottomed clouds and yeah. our argument in favor of a flat world. Why? Why would that be an argument in favor of a flat world? Wait, flat-bottomed clouds, flat world? I don't know. I'm asking. <laughs> well, our cloud is tiny. It's microscopic compared to the size of the planet. So why would uh, you expect the, the bottom of the cloud to be, uh, if anything, you expect the bottom of the cloud to be parallel to the ground? And given the scale of it, yeah, that's why it has to look flat. When you, if you studied uh, topography, which I did, which I, which I saw in school, uh, at 111 degrees is when you start encountering the curvature of the Earth. When you do your Earth, uh, when you do uh, land surveys, up to 111 degrees of latitude longitude. That's that's you can consider that flat past 111 degrees. You start being impacted by the curvature of the Earth. That's why there are two um, disciplines. One is topography. Topography deals with a with up to 111 degrees, and beyond that, it's called geodesic. Ge or geodesic studies is when they when all measurements have to take into account the curvature of the Earth. And that's was a totally separate discipline. So, so anything less than 100 and uh, uh, so sorry, not 111. I'm I'm saying it wrong. Not 111 degrees. 111 kilometers, which is uh, how much? What is 111 kilometers? If I don't look this up, I'm not never gonna hear the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wouldn't. Bug so, about it because you're getting scientific now. <laughs> the easiest way, the simplest way to understand the cloud is the same way to 60, understand. Sixty-eight miles. Yeah. If you're looking, if you're looking at, at the ground, if you're measuring the ground, the ground, sixty, sixty-eight miles. Let's say you're looking at a square that is sixty-eight miles on the side. That you can consider flat. Past the sixty-eight mile mark. You, you're going to start encountering the curvature of the Earth. So, yes, if the cloud is less than 68 miles in size, yeah, of course it's going to look flat because it's pa it's parallel to the ground. Okay. Uh, do, you, do you believe there might be... I, I did some weird-ass studying, so I'm asking these questions. Do you be believe there could possibly be a humongous dome around the world that we can't go beyond? Uh, I can only believe what I see and I've done when I've done shamanic journeys, I've gone up to in orbit and I don't see a dome. I concur. Like I've never seen a dome. And you oh, oh yeah, because you do okay. Well, I never saw one either, but uh, this article I was reading was 
coming up with all these fantastic things about flat earth and dome and all that. And I thought, where in the world do they get this? And I couldn't see it happening, but I wanted to confirm it. Thank you. Well, one of the things that's really funny is that if the earth is truly flat, as they as they claim, um, the where you are doesn't matter, right? Because it's all flat. You're living on a giant pizza. I don't know why the pizza it's invisible, but it should be visible. But that's another thing. If we are living on a giant pizza and everything is absolutely flat, then why is it that on the country in the country of Ecuador there is a, a road and they have on the north side of the road they they have it's like a fountain like a basin a, a big basin and it's set up for the tourists and on the southern side of the of the same road there is another water basin and they're separate i think they're 100 meters apart one is north one is south when you release water on these basins if you're on the north side the water rotates counterclockwise. If you're on the south side of the road, the water rotates clockwise with nobody touching the water. All you have to do is fill the basin and remove the plug. That only happens because the earth is not flat. That is happening in response to the curvature of the earth. On the north side, when the water goes down the the drain, it rotates in one direction, and the north and the south side it rotates in the other direction. That is not possible on a giant pizza. Yeah, I've had the uh, privilege of flying <laughs> over a lot of this planet, um, up to 16 hours in the air, and I can tell you that if you fly a plane in a straight line over the pizza, you will gain <laughs> height as you go and eventually leave the atmosphere which would be very bad in those plans. But if you push the yoke down every once in a while, you will maintain your same height. So if you kept pushing the yoke down and you didn't maintain your same height, I would be dead now. So I don't think we're on a pizza. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other thing is, is if if it's not, if it's, if it, if it's a pizza, why do we have night and day? Wouldn't we all be in the why, day or in the night? I why, mean, why is it wintertime here? Why is it why is it uh, summertime in the southern hemisphere? Shouldn't it be summertime everywhere and winter everywhere? These are all it's questions one. I asked. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to know, well, what is on the uh, other side of the flat world? Where I want to know. What, where where's the edge? There should be an edge. That should be documented, right? That should be a gigantic right. ships that have fallen right. off the edge of the earth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's I where they hide all the people that disappear on the edge. I don't know where the heck they get. I didn't have anybody to ask my questions to. I don't know where what what facts they have that can't be disputed. Has anybody had a fact that they've come up with, so so to speak, that you could confirm was actually a fact? I've never heard of one. No, no. Everything that they say turns out to be either. bogus. But you've got so many people that are absolutely, you know, 
No, that's the truth, you know. No, how can you say that? There's nothing that's that That's why I was sense. reading it, yeah. Why is there weather if we're all flat? <laughs> I guess, I and guess why the, if it rains in one place, it doesn't it rain in the other places? I, I guess they're yeah. interested in proving how far they can take their psyops. I don't know. How far they can take it because they needed to to find know. make this uh, control foolproof. <laughs> because people are waking up no matter what, and they're not liking that, so they're trying all kinds of psyops to, you know, how sleep can we keep them? How long can we keep them asleep? For how we we need to stretch this. It's, they're waking up too fast. We got to stretch this. You know, that's that's my that's my belief. It's uh, it's an experiment. How far the can they make people believe what what's not there? Maybe. Listen, be- let, let's let Bob, Bob, and Yasmin haven't really said too much in this, and this is their sure. week. Sure. What would you guys like to talk about? You must have had some ideas. Well, she wanted to update you on the eagle. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So she should do that. Yeah, just just a short update on that. Um, we, we've been having very misty weather um, and just like little, you know, few days of light rain here and there. And um, then we had like about after that big storm, um, it was misty, but we had pretty much um, misty and foggy, but we had pretty much a good couple of weeks where we didn't get any rain. And I was, um, I think it was Thursday, I was driving into work, and I was just noticing how pretty the landscape was, that, you know, we started to have this nice little green cover on everything, and so I was like, you know, I, I want to keep this going. It, it looks nice and fertile and natural the way it should be this time of year, and so... I I just said, you know, hey, Eagle, give us a little more rain to freshen up these landscapes. And then the following morning, and I did make a Facebook post on that, um, it responded and we get a, we got a little bit more rain. So, um, and, but I think we've now shifted to doing a lot more other things with the Eagle, um, Definitely, I think the eagle had an effect in stabilizing things with the governor and on the political front that, um, I don't know, maybe you can share your thoughts on that as well. But I I feel like the tide is turning and the eagle's playing a role in that as well. Well, before we we get into that part of it. I had an interesting thing with the eagle. We had uh, projections of rains for four or five, four days, I guess it was. And the first day, it was really coming back down. And, you know, if it was going to rain like that for four days, I'd be worried about a flood. So I said to the eagle, uh, you know, could you... Because now I, I use a five, five miles around me, surrounding me, to, you know, control the weather. I think I have domain... So I said, you know, do the five miles and, and keep the rain out of here, please. And then I pulled up the, I immediately pulled up the weather radar, radar, and it was really interesting because there was all this 
very, very red, very heavy rain coming in. And it was coming directly at us. And then all of a sudden it turned south and went, stayed over the ocean and went down south instead of hitting us. <laughs> and it was like, wow. it took a 90 degree turn. Wow. I, I've seen my mother do that, but without an eagle. Oh, well, okay. Remember, I think it was two years ago or something, there was a really bad winter weather up here on, uh, on the north. And they were forecasting all this fantastic storm front coming in from the Atlantic and, and people in Massachusetts. Because at the time, I remember I was... Um, uh, in correspondence with uh, Carol Hemingway, the lady who's a professional astrologer. She's a, a daughter of, of the writer Hemingway. And I remember we were in contact, and, I, and she bought one of my, my devices, and, and, uh, and I would and I told her that every time we have some butt weather, my mother sends one of her spheres because she plays with the energy, and she projects the spheres and tells them where to go. So she was uh, concerned because she was uh, the, the weather. They were like preparing for the very worst. I mean, the news were more dire every day. The guy in the the weather channel, it, the, the the storm front, it was horrible. And they, they were figuring they were going to be out without power because it was the most terrible storm front they were seeing they hadn't seen in a, in a while so my mother did her thing uh to deflect the storm and she and my mother says well let carol know you know that it's done that it's it's been moved away and carol was like i guess if she had been if i had i'd never seen her so we don't have the skype but i guess she couldn't close her mouth because she says the weatherman, I have never, he was dumbfounded because they were looking at the screen, they were looking at the radar map, and all of a sudden the storm turned 180 degrees and I went toward the uh, the ocean. She says, I have never seen anything like that in my life. So they never were hit with a major winter storm. There were no outages, there was no problem with traffic, everybody got home safe. Well, that just goes that goes to prove you that the, <laughs> the eagle system we don't need it, but we need it to be able to learn by, because yes, yeah. your, your mother had a, a you know a, let's say a knowledge to be able to do that without any device, um, but you know from from the standpoint of the eagle, I I agree with um, with yeah, what Yasmin is suggesting. Yeah, so it's, it's um, a support system, and it's uh, it doesn't sleep. That's the thing with with us humans, we we gotta sleep and we gotta go unconscious for a while. Uh, where these devices, they they don't sleep. You tell them to do something, and and they, I I learned from you that depending on what you ask, they will work on something until that something is done, until unless you tell them otherwise. So normally, you give them a task, do something, and it's. It's a temporal thing because once the task has been fulfilled, they they stop that whatever that energy projection is, unless you tell them otherwise to continually do something. But uh, otherwise, they'll they'll complete a task and it's done uh, until you need an, another task. 
Well, like, for I example, do. you told them to rain only at night. I remember something like that. That was Dolly. <laughs> <laughs> But um, Jasmine, what 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 would you or you or Bob or Walter? But I, I want Jasmine and Bob to talk some here. What do you guys think is another task that we can set the the eagles to take care of? Um. Well, I had a. I wanted to do a quick plug for that event that I that you guys inspired me to create on Facebook. Um, the 24 hours of raising the vibe and clearing out the negative. So I was thinking maybe we could have tune into the eagle for that and just have it projected out along the ley lines of the eagle and the sphere of influence um, to basically just project out um, our emotions and thoughts of love, gratitude, and peace, and to basically choke out the weeds in the ethers. <laughs> Now, you, su you suggested that maybe you could do some uh, Reiki healing, send out some energy. Is it also possible, or in, instead of maybe, or together, I don't know, um, to be able to talk us through a focused, uh, focusing on just <clears throat> putting out a specific thought, you know what I mean, what I'm saying, a little meditation so that we can start this up so that it's, it, and focused on, I would think, the the event that you're talking about, you might want to explain a little bit more of that, you know, that, I mean, you're not going to, you're not talking about getting in gatherings, you're talking about individuals just getting together to do that, correct? Right, so I, I think on that show that you did back in 2015, you had kind of mentioned that if we, if a certain amount of people can just have a focused thought of um, positivity for a 24-hour period, it can really work to shift things around. And certainly, I Reiki is a very versatile tool, and I I can drop the Reiki master symbol and just kind of. The way I approach things is just to kind of talk it out and um, make things kind of just uplift us so that we're in that good, strong, positive energy. Do you feel like you want to do that? Yeah, Go sure. Go for it. Go for it. So um, I'll just talk us through a really quick meditation here. <laughs> so... If everyone can just, everyone listening right now can just relax and close your eyes and slow down your breathing. A deep breath in and another deep breath out. Do that three times. And just let your mind drift a bit. And just start opening yourself up to possibilities. 
you know, there's a lot of things in the world right now that can trigger us, that can make us feel disempowered. But let's just let all that go. We can come back to it later. But for now, we can just put that aside. And now let's consider the fact, even if we don't necessarily believe it, let's just listen to the words and start to understand that we are incredibly powerful beings. Our bodies are capable of self-healing, self-regulating. We just have to clear a path to let our bodies do that. And part of clearing that path begins with just having a thought that makes us feel truly good, truly amazing, powerful, beautiful inside and out. And we all have some sort of thought that can make us feel that way. Perhaps it's cuddling up with a favorite pet, looking into a pet's eyes, seeing their unconditional love. Maybe it's something simple that a loved one says to us. It truly opens up your heart And you start to feel a shift in the energy of your body. Your hands, your arms, your legs, everything feels different. Tingly, electric. Just focus on that for a moment and how your body's feeling. I'm going to project out the Reiki master symbol to everyone right now. Focus on how amazing your body feels. Embrace the thoughts of the co-creative powers. And how beautiful and wonderful and we we are truly blessed to be here to experience this. And everyone here that knows that this is possible, it, it's it's an amazing gift just to have the knowledge. Because there are so many that don't right now. Just relax. 
something pops into your mind that's not something you want to feel right now, just, just gently push it to the side and refocus on a thought that makes you feel good, makes you feel closer to God and to source and angels and whatever it is you believe in. It's all the same, whatever name we give it. And now know that this feeling that we're feeling right now, we can make a conscious choice just by choosing thoughts that empower us. Choosing to push aside the thoughts that don't empower us. And we can live that for as however long as we want. And we can project that out into our environment. And it will affect other people. I've seen it myself. And so now we can decide several times a day if we're not feeling that great, we can escape to a quiet spot and do this exercise to calm ourselves, ground ourselves. And this, this feeling of love and gratitude and peace being one with the source. This is an incredibly powerful state to be in where not only manifestations can happen, but it also provides an immense amount of protection from the outside world. So now I'll count you all back. Five, four, three, two, and one. How do you feel? Very good. Thank you very much. And, um, Bob? Yeah? You got 10 minutes here. What would you like to talk? You know, uh, she sent me the link to your um, uh, website, and I was looking at it, and then I didn't finish it, and then it got lost. So um, before you guys leave tonight, give me that website uh URL again, please. Yeah, the one on the me. hydrogen in the in the trucks. Yeah, that's www empowerment e m p o w e r m i n dot com. And uh, the primary functions of that there are a couple are the hydrogen system to help truckers 
uh, gain mileage horsepower, which they desperately need, but I can't seem to, to get enough of them to understand what's going on. Um, we also work with um, energy recovery projects where we take uh, unwanted heat energy in industrial plants and turn that into actual physical energy, which they can use on site. Uh, that's called electrotherm. And then uh, we're working on a, re a water recovery unit about the size of a hot tub, which takes water that people use from power washing, cleaning, and in other industrial applications on site and makes it reusable but not drinkable um, so that we save the amount of water a company would purchase or use from a well or from a city system. Um, we've nicknamed that the water saver. Um, it's in process of being development. And so we're looking forward to that. And then of course we, uh, we have, uh, other applications and other processes and people to handle environmental cleanup issues and remediation issues. Um, I would also remind people that, uh, this is the time of year when people who are feeling lonely feel even more lonely and people are looking at family and people are going to stores hoping to get the PlayStation for the kid or getting a new pillow in blue and they're not finding it. And this is probably when we need more patients, not necessarily us, but others, um, for other people because of the trucks that didn't make it, the people that didn't show up to work to put the stuff on the shelves the people decided it needs to cost more and our own government trying to make stupid and inane laws to stop us from just existing in the first place. So a little patience right now would go a long ways. <laughs> well said. What was the name of that uh, website again? Empowerment. www.empowerment.com uh, and we just had a, uh, a wonderful chat with a company down in Mexico, um, and we're looking forward to working with him to uh, bring this uh, information and material to, the, to Mexico. And then um, he's going to help us meet with some, hopefully in the beginning of the, of the new year, some offshore oil rigs and some other oil field application folks in Texas so that we can turn the uh, oil rigs offshore into zero emission. We may not be able to solve all the problems that everybody wants to solve, um, but at least we can solve a few of them. And you're just having a problem getting people to listen to you. Yeah, it, it's really amazing how many people, you know, locally here in California, I've walked and talked to, probably 300 people in the last two months, but our governor keeps changing the rules and regulations for truckers. And so they don't, they don't know what to buy. They don't know if they should get a new truck or if they should like leave the state because of the, the insane amount of changes that they've had to face, especially in the past 60 days. And you know, what this, what this unit does, the IPHI unit does is, it takes distilled water on board a truck and using electrolysis uh, turns it into hydrogen. Now, people think, well, that's dangerous. Well, it is if you store it or if you have more than 1%. But since it uses hydrogen on demand, 
it acts like a hybrid vehicle. And so a truck that has uh, some emissions now has almost none. And a truck that was getting 2,000 miles to the tank load is now getting 2,500. And the other things that it's doing is, is it would cause us to use less materials. It's, it's interesting being in the environmental business and listening to people say, we need to stop drilling and we need to stop using oil. Because if we were all stopped using oil today, we would all not be talking on the internet to each other right now and sitting here naked. <laughs> because there's oil in practically everything that we have in our homes today. Even electric vehicles have oil in them and took oil to make the composite body materials. And we're not ready to transition out of it. Do I believe that we'll have to at some point? Yes, absolutely. I don't believe you can devoid the planet of its natural resources and get away with it. But nor do I believe that you simply, like our governor here in California, turn off the spigot one day and say, everything has to go electric. I've talked to people who drive fire trucks, and I can tell you right now that an electric fire truck would be useless. It can't pump enough water to put out your house. So we have to look at ways to transition to the electric technologies without living in worlds of brownouts. And I, I go back to my favorite thing I love to talk to you about when I'm on your show, and that's waste energy, folks. If we're going to make energy out of something, let's use garbage and solve two problems at one time. And you have all these products and you've tested them, correct? Absolutely. Everything that Empowerment works with, including the waste energy, when we talk to, about it, talk to people about it, are from processes or companies mm -hmm. in business. Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. The, the water reservoir... For the um, for the distilled water, uh, I was concerned about that because um, I don't know. Maybe these fellows that are in Canada moved from here because back in uh, what year is this? In 2005, I think it was. There was this outfit here that was selling an uh, uh, an electrolysis kit that you could install in your car. And one of the one of the uh, elements of the equipment, because they they trained mechanics for installing the equipment, and one of the components was a, a glass jar where the water would go for the electrolysis. And I remember looking at the pictures and I thought, but this is not practical. Like I live in Minnesota, the first cold snap you're going to get, you know, that that jar is going to be a solid piece of ice. They and should do are. this in a different way. So I'm thinking yeah, if these, no, uh, these these trucks in Canada, the, the reservoir has to be a, a different material, correct? Correct. Um, so one of the things that we face is about four different companies over the last 15 years have tried this. And they've either tried to store hydrogen, very bad idea, causing explosions, and I've got to do this really quick, or they've tried to use uh, different materials. These guys here developed this technology to provide oxygen for the mining industry. And because of that, um, to help create oxygen down in these, in these subterranean mines, because of that, they really had to learn to make it bulletproof. It has been made so bulletproof that it can work anywhere in Canada. 
anywhere in the Northwest Territories, and it has been approved by the United States Navy as a transitional fuel application on diesel electric destroyers for the next 25 years. And I can tell you from personal experience that if the Navy grabbed it and put it on a destroyer, it must be bulletproof because those <laughs> babies bounce up and down, get cold, get wet, get hot, big time. <laughs> yeah. Well, next time you're on, we'll let you start with some of this stuff because I always find it fascinating. But we have to kind of say adios to everybody. So, um, Dolly, you want to say good night? Good night, everybody. And boy, why do I mean that? I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks for coming. And please come back again sometime, Walt. y'all. Walt. Good night, everyone. Thank you for being here tonight. Take care. Yasmin. Good night, everyone, and thanks again for having us. And it was fun. The time just absolutely flew. Yes, it did. Bob? Uh, we're out of here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's my guy. Listen, everybody, thanks for being here. And um, I put up the playlist. We're going to replay what we've done already. I hope you do like the chat, the new chat. We didn't really talk about that, but... Um, Be safe, everybody. Say what? Say what radio show? With no agenda. It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. The entire world has It's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong.